Non, c'est ce que je disais. Oui, moi, c'est bâté, c'est de la blague. Après tout, tout est beau. Il n'y a qu'à s'intéresser aux choses et les trouver belles. Time has come. Catherine Bigelow. This and some of the other nice things that have happened to me in the last couple of days may turn me into some sort of hopeful optimist and ruin my whole life. Spoil. I remember quite clearly, it was 1946, and I was four years old, my mother took me to see King Vidor's Duel in the Sun. All I know is that first, you've got to get mad. You've got to say, I'm a human being. God damn it! My life has value! Babel, Alejandro González Iñárritu. Uh, I'm a man. Well, nobody's perfect. Al film italiano Deserto Rosso di Michelangelo. It's just that all men are sure it never happened to them, and most women at one time or another have done it, so you do the math. Three artists in the presentation of the Palm d'Or. Adele, Leia, and Abdel, Afid, Kenshin. All of them, here in Greece, want their lives. I'll give you. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Filmotomy podcast. This is episode 46. And on this week's episode, we're having a discussion uh, about the late, great Heath Ledger. This is all about our sort of uh, October, um, which is a play on words. Obviously, when this comes out, it'll be in October. And uh, during the month of October, we're discussing actors. So... October, October, you get it. Um, I'm your host, B. Garns, and joining me today uh, is Jonathan. Hi, Jonathan, how are you? I'm doing very well, and I'm excited to talk about kind of what lasting impact Heath Ledger's made on film and kind of on me. Oh, great. So um, that's, I'm glad you're joining us. And also, we've got uh, an, a newbie joining us. Hello, Chris, how are you? Hiya. I'm good, thanks. Yeah. Excited? Uh, yes, yeah, I yeah. am. Yeah, I was. Uh, I mean, I was a huge Heath Ledger fan, so yeah, definitely feel like I've got a lot, to, lot to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> I guess probably the first point to to uh, bring up is uh, how we were introduced to Heath Ledger. Um, I guess it was um, ten things I hate about you, which okay. I imagine is probably what a lot of people saw him mm-hmm. in first. I can't remember. I forget when I saw that film first, but I know that uh, I did uh, film studies at university and we studied it then. I forget why. I, I mean, I really love that film. And sort of, I think, and especially when we started looking at it in a bit more depth, it was like actually a really clever script and stuff. And I think it was from that. But the the film that really, that I saw where I sort of really sort of, it's like, oh, I really like him. I'm probably going to watch everything he's in. Was um, There's a film he did called Two Hands, mm-hmm. which was an Australian film, that which I think is amazing. And he's kind of, his performance in that is this sort of really kind of cocky but vulnerable guy who gets into a mess and, and tries to sort it out. It's just a, like, that was a film where I was really sort of blown away by him. What he did in Dark Knight was incredible. So, um yeah, so, but the, yeah, I think it was probably 10 things I hate about you was the first thing I saw. Nice ride. Vintage fenders. Are you following me? I was in the laundromat. I saw your car. Came over to say hi. Hi. Not a big talker, huh? Depends on the topic. My fenders don't really whip me into a verbal frenzy. You're not afraid of me, are you? 
afraid of you, why would I be afraid of you? Well, most people are. Well, I'm not. Well, maybe you're not afraid of me, but I'm sure you've thought about me naked, huh? Uh, the first time I had come across Heath Ledger was uh, The Patriot in 2000. What struck me is that he, well, first I thought he was an American, because uh, he had the accent, and he nailed it down very, very well. Um, it wasn't until started watching interviews, like, wait, he's wait, he's actually an Aussie? And, like, that's really, really impressive that he puts on the accent very well. And then I just started kind of following his career from there, from uh, A Knight's Tale and uh, that one movie he did, uh, Ned Kelly. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that, yeah. that's good. Yeah. And it's like, wow, this this he's really good, and he's not just you know this a pretty face or a uh, hunk. He's he's a legitimate actor. That's my that was my intro. Yeah, I think you picked up on something quite interesting. There was like his ability to take on accents. You know, I I wasn't aware he was Australian until like much later. I think um, I saw him in obviously Ten Things I Hate About You, and uh, and A Knight's Tale as well. Which, you know, I I think I had the poster up in my bedroom for a very long time, <laughs> and uh, you know, you had a bit of a crush on him because he was just like had these amazing intense eyes. Something about it, which you know, he had this great. He was made for the camera, you know. Uh, mm. He was just perfect, and I yeah, it was it's amazing to to sort of find out like what he went through the process of doing accents and and how because yeah I tried putting on accents before and they're not that great, <laughs> so I think it's amazing how he managed to to do that and like you say he was going up against you know actors like Mel Gibson and. That must be crazy and very surreal. So uh, he really sort of managed to, to to do that, and how he pulled off some of those performances is, is amazing. How he lost himself as the Joker, because before for me, you know, the definitive Joker performance wasn't wasn't Nicholson. No, I thought that was uh, that belonged to Mark Hamill voicing the Joker with uh, Batman the Animated Series, and I'm thinking like, okay, there's. Okay, there's no way you can. It's going to be very hard to kind of top what kind of the energy he brought to that character. Do you know how I got these scars? <laughs> that that just gives me chills every time. And I like I, I've memorized that 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 specific line of dialogue. You just see it on screen how he um, saw this iconic Batman villain, mm-hmm. and it was I was just absolutely blown away from first frame to. The last, he he was a great actor already with stuff like Brokeback Mountain and Ten Things I Hate About You. That was his legacy right there. That was a that was a career defining performance that I feel was right next right right next to um, uh, Daniel Day Lewis's turn as Daniel Plainview in There Will Be Blood. That's probably like the second best performance I've seen in I've seen this century. It's that good mm. to me. I think what it did, what he managed to do with it was that the character felt really dangerous. Like, he never knew what he was going to do, and it felt like he was capable of of doing anything in those scenes. Yes. And I think you never get that, really, with normally with villains in 
films, especially comic book films, it's like they've got an agenda and a thing they want to do. And I think, I think it was in the script as well, but I definitely think what he carried across was this sense of like complete, he was completely unpredictable. And, and to sort of see that actually happening was, was yeah, it was really incredible. For me, I, I think there was there's three really great performances that he gave um obviously the joker it's amazing it's a great performance but i also think you know his performance in in brokeback mountain is again it's completely different like you wouldn't think it was the same actor jack i gotta work huh in them earlier days i just quit the job you you forget what it's like being broke all the time. You ever hear a child support? I'll tell you this, I can't quit this one. And I can't get the time off. It's hard enough getting this time. The trade-off is August. Uh, and I think as well... Lords of Dogtown. I don't know whether you've both seen that at all. I haven't seen it. Yeah, that, that's probably the the only one of his I didn't, I didn't catch. I didn't catch. No. Oh, he's amazing in it. And and I think in the documentary, which we're probably going to discuss in a second, uh, I was amazed to find out that he uh, really got into the character and um, even had fake teeth made in mm. order to capture that sort of unique speech sort of pattern and there's something about it. it 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 doesn't look it doesn't look anything like him he had this way of blending into characters and really getting into the it was very much like a chameleon it's, it's a real shame that we lost him and, and and in terms of what could have been you know we will never know but i i feel like you know we we lost someone who was really great which is really sad um mm. so, i mean just going yeah. just going back to sort of Brokeback mountain i think one of the things that he did that was really interesting about that performance is it's not a sort of showy performance com- mm. like compared to the joker which is really kind of he's really going for it like i think what he did was so good in Brokeback mountain is it's really understated and he's kind of it's more about the the restraint of the character and the, I mean, they say in the documentary that one of the things that he thought of the character as a as a sort of clenched fist and you can kind of it, that definitely comes across it's this, this sort of constant tension but mm. it comes across mostly through silence and i think that that sort of it's a kind of performance that doesn't often get recognized as much because it's not like we think of the great actors as being kind of shouty mm flamboyant people but actually this kind of really understated quiet performance is really i think it is is underrated really but um yeah really good so um moving on to the documentary released in 2017 how how did you what were your thoughts about it jonathan i at first i didn't know he, he had he had all the, the, this much troves and troves of videos where he was just essentially filming himself and kind of learning to act on the fly and that that's just something i find i i found really really insightful when an actor's really good good and they just don't know how to describe it but you feel like he has that it quality mm. 
that was Heath Ledger, that was Heath Ledger in a nutshell. He just had that steely quality to, or you see him on screen, he ha- he has your attention almost immediately with the uh, documentary after a Knight's Tale, mm. and he he was in that meeting, and I think he realized that he was he was he he could follow that they were setting up to 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 in that same vein in that same category of oh he's he's bigger than the movie he saw that and was like that's not that he just realized no that that that's not i don't want that that's that's not why i got into this business and that's not what what i want to do he's almost looked into the abyss you know he kind of i don't know how much he was aware whether he sort of knew that maybe that he was going to to die if that was like something that he was aware of, but it's it's almost like he sort of picked up on that. I don't know. They, it's crazy. They did sort of suggest that in the documentary, didn't they? There was that moment where they they sort of mentioned about him having a sense of his own mortality and having wanting to achieve so much and because he didn't think he had much time left and things. Before Brokeback Mountain came out, it would have been unthinkable to have a romantic tragedy involving two gay cowboys. This is one of the biggest heartthrobs on earth taking on that character. That's an artist. He kind of almost pulled out of every movie he ever ended up doing. He wanted fame, and then when he got it, he didn't want it. I'm not gonna be that guy, and I'll show you. Oh, nice shot, man, nice shot. Even as a supporting actor, he will steal the whole show. That's the power of Heath Ledger. Here's our entry fees. Now, where's our trophies? This is like taking it to the next level. Like, you're going to be nominated for this, I'm telling you right now. And he, he just smiled. There's, there's some sort of similarities between, like, Rudolph Antino's reputation after death and, and Heath Ledger's reputation now. Like, they've almost uh, superseded the, rep- the reputation they had when they were alive. You know, and, and now it's regardless of whether they were great actors or not it's not really to do with their acting anymore it's to do with the mystery and the, the sort of scandal behind their the deaths it's really morbid <laughs> no, I think that happens that does happen when people die young doesn't it Cause I, I think I think the same thing happened with Brandon Lee to a degree mm. like he only really did one good film but it was sort of his performance in that film was so good that it then did lead to sort of speculation about oh what what would have happened if he'd kind of gone on and and I, th- I think it definitely happens when people die die young. I mean, sort of River Phoenix and yeah, it's it's really strange when you sort of like think of what could have been, you know, it it's kind of like I don't know I don't know whether it's disrespectful in a way because you know we're we're thinking oh we wish we had more music by Amy Winehouse or we wish we had more movies you know starring Heath Ledger whereas you know his family are just wishing they had him right in in some ways I think these people are so fascinating because they they stopped they sort of well their career was cut short like you look at the sort of films say Robert De Niro's making now or the stuff he's made in the last ten you yeah. think like I and mean, it's fine and you still got it's not like you can ruin a legacy but you like like who knows what he would have done is that you sort of 
that you end up with this kind of perfect I think with Heath Ledger, in a way, it, it, you have this sort of perfect career where he sort of starts off with these kind of light kind of films and then ends up doing this really serious stuff. But it's it's um, sadly cut off before, but it's also before he can do anything really embarrassingly bad. I don't know, but I, but I think that's why it's interesting. Like again, yeah, it is weird to talk about it because I think that's definitely what you got from the documentary was this is. This is obviously this is a real person who we don't know. Mm. The rest of us don't know, and it's sort of that's separate from the person that we wanted to see more of. I suppose. Yeah, I guess we're we're seeing it as you know being a consumer and a spectator is. You know, we we only ever really saw his life in front of the cameras. You know, it was interesting to see how he was behind. You know, behind closed doors, and the fact that I, I found what well, I found quite—I oh, don't know—it shows his like good nature. Really, was how he had his house and just let people come in and out. You know, it, was, mm. it sounds, yeah. like, sounds like the type. It of almost sounds like a com- yeah. sorry. No, a community. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, I was going to say that. I thought, and just in terms of the documentary, I thought it was interesting. Jonathan, you mentioned the Amy Winehouse. I thought it was. Like interesting, the approach, if, if, like the Amy documentary, uh, which obviously is mostly made up of, I think it's all made up of footage that existed, compared to the approach of this one, where it seemed like there probably was enough footage to do almost the same thing, but they went for very much more of a talking heads, like these are the people that knew him and what they thought of him approach. And I'm not. I'm sort of not sure how how I felt about that. I was sort of, in a way, when they kept talking about how much footage there was, and we sort of kept seeing these glimpses of footage. I mm. sort of wanted to see more of it, but but at the same again, this is a real person, and I understand that that's you know the the perhaps they showed exactly what they were happy to show, and and I, but but I do think there's an interesting comparison there because it's it's it, I think what's what's striking about both those films is it's it's people filming themselves before filming yourself became such a something that everyone does like now i think like uh, you know i watch people on instagram doing instagram stories and, and people on youtube and things and it's so it's such a sort of self-conscious thing whereas what was striking about the footage in the Heath ledger documentary and in the Amy winehouse documentary is that people weren't really it wasn't a thing that people did all the time of being on camera and filming themselves and you, the, the, there's a sort of lack of kind of self-consciousness about it which is really interesting but yeah i sort of feel like it would have been nicer to see that footage speak for itself i suppose i wonder whether some of the footage might have presented him in a negative light and like i do again it sort of feels sort of wrong to, to, to say this but completely distancing myself from the person and just as a documentary it felt like this was very much let's like, like uh, a puff piece yeah I hate like saying everyone, I mean, for, 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 for lack of a crude term but yeah yeah because no i mean no one said a bad word about him and maybe that's true but like i felt like they skimmed over the breakup of his marriage and it's not like i sort of am interested in delving into like gossip and kind of like scandal and stuff but it did feel, and even, but I get more interestingly, I think the thing about the sleep deprivation and, and I guess the thing that actually killed him, it felt like we never really got delved into that. Like, I, I still don't feel like I understand 
what happened there and like cause I like I know people sort of in the creative industry who is similar in a way who have this kind of like um I went to Cannes one year with a friend who's a director and he just like did not sleep the whole time we were there and and I sort of so I was sort of watching this thinking oh I know people like that that this is really interesting but it felt like we never really got into that and sort of explored it and again maybe this you know a documentary about a real person that had, who died isn't the place to kind of really fully explore sleep deprivation but I, I, I found that really interesting and wanted more of it I suppose. I wonder whether because the, the intent of the documentary was maybe to show it to his daughter when she comes of age you know mm. that's what I got for the sense of it I don't know whether that revealing details about his death or you know stuff to do would have been appropriate yeah at least until until the time is right or something like that yeah Hmm. but i guess when you compare it to the the amy winehouse documentary which did sort of cover everything really i mean um but again i think with with the documentary you do the filmmakers set out to tell a Hmm. definite story no matter what the facts are like I think the, the Amy Winehouse documentary felt to me very much like a kind of it's, it's almost like this kind of horror film where you're watching this person deteriorate and none of the people around her are doing anything to stop it and that seemed like that was the story of that film yeah there's definitely uh, I feel like an, a, a documentary that needs to be made you know uh, a bit more uh, a, a different type of documentary maybe one that focuses solely on the dark night process because i feel like that that was something that really took something out of him there's no going back you've changed things forever and why do you want to kill me (laughs) i don't want to kill you what would i do without you go back to ripping off mob dealers no 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 you you complete me. You're garbage. You kills for money. Don't talk like one of them. You're not. Even if you'd like to be. To them, you're just a freak. Like me. They need you right now. But when they don't, they'll cast you out. Like a leper. You see, their morals, their code. It's a bad joke. We've dropped at the first sign of trouble. They're only as good as the world allows them to be. I'll show you. When the chips are down, these, uh, these civilized people, they'll eat each other. See, I'm not a monster. Just seeing him sort of, you know, the, the behind-the-scenes footage and... You know, preparing for the role and and hearing how he got into the voice and everything, and that sort of stuff fascinates me. But I don't think we got enough of that, and that's kind of you could just have a whole documentary about that. Yeah, but mm. I guess like, how comfortable do you think you know his parents would be, kind of you know allowing that, you know, just him and not maybe not in a great place and maybe just kind of mm. him maybe kind of deteriorating away just because it's just that that sort of uh that that part is just too painful it's just too um it, it's too much to to really mm. 
open to open that wound again. So I can understand why, in a sense, if they held back, why they did and why we saw, why the version that we see in this documentary is what we get. Well, I don't know whether that could serve as a warning to maybe potential other actors who want to go down that path of becoming lost in a character. I'm actually now we're talking about it. I wonder if there was actually a lot in the documentary about this, but 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 there was um there's a moment I think it was the guy who was his dialect coach mentions that actually between takes on the dark night he was joking around and he it wasn't like he stayed in character the whole time mm-hmm. uh, like Jared Leto did and that that worked. But um the um, like the I I sort of the the because it, it seemed to be much more this. This, the sense of this guy who could not stop and 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 then was gradually kind of taking more and more medication in order to make himself stop and that, you know i guess that uh, yeah how much more do you need to go into that really but it, I, I sort of i guess because i sort of i feel like I, i've met people like that i kind of wanted to know more because the, the, yeah you sort of i was sort of waiting for the the dark side to of his character to come out and it never really did apart from the fact that he was so creative that he could just not stop moving around and yeah i think as well in i guess maybe the purpose of the documentary was to sort of say oh there was a lot of you know uh, around the time of his death there was a lot of sort of speculation about what happened you know did did his life become taken over by the joker character and you know, did he become too involved in the role and, you know, the curse of the, the 27 Club and all that. So maybe the, the purpose of the documentary was to say, actually, you know, that none of that is the real Heath Ledger. There was, you know, there is this side to him that we want to, to remember, you know, get people to remember him for rather than the the controversy surrounding his death yeah yeah definitely i mean i, I, mean, I didn't i didn't know about the stuff he directed the music videos and things mm. and I, I thought that was that was really interesting to see him doing that and, and to see those yeah i mean uh, do you think i suppose you know moving on to to where we would think heath ledger would be now if he was still with us do you think he would have gone into directing i think uh, i'll uh, seeing him kind of uh, direct music videos and kind of direct his friend, it feels like that all, and the way he the photographs and how he loved playing with the camera, I feel like yeah, I think the natural progression would have been, he, he would have you know, uh, started making he would have started doing work behind the camera and was exactly what he wanted and that that eye for detail was to have that at, so, at such a young age is very again it, it, it's it's impressive and it's just again it's you know very bittersweet that we never that we never got to see that side of him as an as an artist like fun speculation thing i kind of wonder what the third christopher nolan batman film would have been mm. like i mean i i mean things i i love dark knight rises i think it's sort of and it's not perfect it's sort of a mess but i thought i think it's a kind of perfect mess it's sort of this like weird art film that is accidentally a superhero film but i wonder what would have happened like what the plans were and like 
I mean, that, this feels like something that you could eventually find out. Like they must have had ideas for the for the for the third film if if uh, he'd still been around. Because I I assume he would have based on the the success of the the Dark Knight that the Joker would have been featured in it. But uh, yeah, I sort of wonder what would have where that would have gone because I think that did kind of change the face of mm. um, certainly. I mean, I think obviously credit goes to Christopher Nolan and other people involved as well, but. Certainly, that performance in The Dark Knight did kind of change the way um, it, it, it was sort of, oh, you're allowed to do this in, in, in superhero films and, and do these kind of out there things at, the, at the same time. Yeah. Well, well, well I was just going to say, I suppose I wonder whether we would have had a, a solo Joker movie starring Heath Ledger. I, I would have loved to have seen him go on to direct a feature film. I think maybe he was very sort of inspired by Terry Gilliam, so it could have been quite interesting. And of course, I would have loved to have seen him you know, be, you know, in the final uh, film or you know, or final version of um, Doctor Panassus. Is it? Don Quixote. Panassus. Yeah, yeah, imaginary Doctor Panassus. Yeah, Panassus. Yeah, it's a, it's a shame. It's it's a real shame, but of course, you know. Um, he's he's left us a great legacy and, and some amazing films, and I, I suppose you know, I think his his death sort of really affected me because it was you know at the same at the time I started going into film studies and um, mm. appreciating film for what it is and. I, it's certainly of the kind of celebrity deaths that was definitely one of the ones that affected me the most at the time i mean because normally it's just like oh that's a shame but um yeah i remember being really upset um and i think i did sort of feel like i think because i thought he was one of the few people his careers had sort of followed from those early films and kind of you know tried to watch everything he was in and, and yeah i felt like there were, I, I sort of had more of a connection with him than with with um, other people, but yeah. And um, I suppose it, it's always harder when when it's you know some someone you sort of really have watched their career blossom and, and have admired them. It, you know, there's it does seem to have I don't know. There's a connection there that you have because you're sort of growing up with someone and, and watching them grow and as a actor. So it, you know, it does really sort of hit you hard. Mm-hmm.